This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hey everybody, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 304, recorded Monday, February the 6th, 2017. Well, well, Jason, it feels like a hundred years since we've done this. One hundred and seven years, three months, four days, seven seconds. That's what it feels like. It's, but it's only really been like what three weeks, something like that. I, I don't know. Feels like a hundred years. It does. It feels like a long time. So, uh, you know, I hope we're we're good to go. I hope we remember what to do. But I'm I'm sure it'll come back to us pretty quick. Uh, and we're only one week away from the resuming resuming of season seven. Of The Walking Dead. Holy crap, that snuck up on me. I know, it's it's come up quick, but uh, as of we record this right now, yeah, we are, oh, less than a week, because it's Monday, not Sunday. You see, I'm even a day ahead. I'm all confused. Uh, or a day behind? Either way. Yeah, I'm, a day confused. I'm a day confused, that's for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, um, it was nice to see you guys on the weekend. Yeah, I came over, got some Lego, hung out for a little while. We juggled. It was fun. Almost died from my cat allergy, but yeah, I'm better now. I'm better now, but it was fun. And uh, you're right. I picked if, up the Lego Wally from you, so I'm looking forward to building that. If it's any consolation, uh, one of my cats was allergic to you. <laughs> she was sneezing for like hours after you left. Well, at least it was a mutual allergy there. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Well, we've got an exciting podcast coming up. We're going to get through some Walking Dead news, and then we've got a couple of sort of reviews to do later on in the show, although you have one and I have one, but we don't have anything together review-wise, mm-hmm. which That's is right. some, something we've never done before, so I'm looking forward to seeing how that goes. But the first thing I want to do is talk again briefly, as I always do, about our Record Your Favorite Scene contest. For those who don't know, this is a contest we're running for the duration of The Walking Dead Season 7, and what we are asking of you guys is to pick a scene from any season of The Walking Dead and record it, you know, do your interpretation of it, your take, and then send it in to us. And at the end of the season, Jason and I will pick our favorite, and you'll win a big fancy box full of prizes, which is always cool. A whole pile of prizes. Yeah, a giant pile of prizes. That's Mound. what you want. Uh, here is an entry from regular listener Anwen in New Zealand. Hey, Chris and Jason. It's Anwen here. Just wanted to put in my submission for the Record Your Favorite Scene competition. And it's Negan's speech. I always found Negan's speech really um, disturbing. So I thought I'd take the sting out of it by doing a um, really full-on Kiwi accent. So here goes. Hi, I'm Negan, and I do not appreciate you killing my men. Also, when I sent my people to kill your people for killing my people, you killed more of my people? Not cool. Not cool. You have no idea how not cool that shit is, but I think you're going to be up to speed shortly. Are you ready? Here goes. Pay attention. Give me your shit or I will kill you. Today was career day. We invested a lot, so you'll know who I am and what I can do. You work for me now. You have shit. You give it to me. That's your job. You're pegged, more pegged if you don't do what I want. And what I want is half your shit. If that's too much, you can make, find or steal more and it'll even out sooner or later. This is your way of life now. The more you fight back, the harder it'll be. So now I'm going to beat the holy hell out of one of you. Thus, this is Lucille. And she is awesome. All this is just so we can pick out which one of you gets the honour. Jesus, you look shitty. Let's just put you out of your misery right now. All right, listen. 
Don't any of you do that again. I will shut that shit down. No exceptions. First one's free. It's an emotional moment. I get it. Sucks, don't it? The moment you realise you don't know shit, this is your kid, right? This is definitely your kid. Do not make me kill the little future serial killer. Do not make it easy on me. I've got to pick somebody. Everybody's at the table waiting for me to order. I simply cannot decide. I've got an idea. Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Catch a tiger by his toe. If he hollers, let him go. My mother told me to pick the very best one and you are it. That was awesome. It's almost hard to to follow along. She's so, um, I don't know, uh, methodical on it, sort of, right? She really blows through that speech. (laughs) I followed along. I thought it was excellent. (laughs) It was. It was really good. I like the accent. um, And I I like how she's right. It just sort of, it adds a, now this is going to sound bad, but it adds a level of ridiculousness to it. (laughs) (laughs) Not because a New Zealand accent is ridiculous, but because thinking about Negan delivering those lines with that accent is funny. And it's a, I don't know, it's, it comes across as a little nuts, which I love. I think we should write Jeffrey Dean Morgan and have him record that very scene on YouTube with that accent. Do you think he could do as good a Kiwi accent as Anwen, who is actually Kiwi? Well, not as good, but I'm sure that, uh, you know, if, uh, you know, if he was going to do that and uh, he's Jeffrey Dean Morgan, for Christ's sake, he can, uh, he can hire a vocal coach. Uh, to help him with his New Zealand accent. I'm sure he's going to go out and hire, he's going to get an email from a couple of idiots to do a podcast and yep. then hire a vocal coach, coach, do a, learn a really good New Zealand accent and then deliver it. I mean, it would be worth it and he should. I'm not sure and, he's going to. And get permission from the copyright holders. He's just such a nice guy that I think that he would do that just for two sh- schmoes on the internet. He might. Well, let's, let's. Try that and see how it goes. Anyways, thank you, Anwen, for that. Uh, if you want to get an entry in, just grab your phone or your, you sit down in your home recording studio or whatever you may have, pick a scene, do the recording, and then you can email it to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. Please, everyone, keep sending them in, and I'll be playing lots of them on the show as the, uh, as the rest of Season 7 rolls out. Um, so it should be good. Cool. All right, Jason, we have to follow up on something from the last time we podcasted, podcasted, and I don't remember when that was, as I said exactly, I think it was three weeks ago, but um, on that episode, we talked about Black Mirror White Christmas, the uh, Mm -hmm. Christmas special on Black Mirror from a few years ago. Now, it was a lot of fun talking about that, and it just made me love Black Mirror even more than I already did, but we got this email from Becca on the internet with a, uh, I think a valid concern, but I'll, I'll read the email here and then you can respond to it. Becca writes, love your show. I'm also a big fan of Black Mirror, especially the White Christmas episode. I actually teach that episode in my class about science fiction. I was somewhat alarmed by your discussion of the first segment of the show. Not only is the dating club a little shady, it would be considered illegal for good reason by our standards today. Imagine you con a woman into having sex with you. This woman is not aware that you are actually hiding your own identity and instead presenting her with someone else's. This is already somewhat unethical, but then you imagine you tape that woman without her knowledge while you are intimate. If you don't have consent for everything you are doing in a sexual relationship, you are most certainly in unethical and yes, shady territory. Some might even call it rape. All these men were going to watch this young man have sex with this woman without her knowledge. 
This is so beyond okay. Please, please, please make sure your viewers know this. This is what makes the big twist in the poison, uh, the big twist with the poison so crazy. This woman who was being taken advantage of ended up being the one in control the entire time. She gives the young man what she thinks he wants and isn't that such perfect language to view rape through an alternate lens. Not that I'm advocating murder, but I love how this scene turns those roles around in such an unexpected way. Can you please make sure you clarify on your next podcast that taping or watching someone without their consent in an intimate act is not just shady, it is illegal and most certainly not okay. So a couple of things. One, first of all, you're absolutely right, Becca, uh, that uh, it is not okay in any way, shape or form. So and every time that I've been involved in either watching someone have sex or someone watching me have sex or taping someone having sex or someone taping me having sex, every single time it has been consensual by all parties in the room. So that's fine. So doing that without their knowledge absolutely is wrong on every level that I can think of. So you're absolutely right. And the second thing I want to make is uh, now that I've... Uh, Fully apologized, and I completely acknowledge what you're saying, and and uh, and I'm glad that we had this opportunity to air this and to talk about this. But now I'm going to backpedal. Okay. Uh, I'm going <laughs> to. So what I was thinking would be uh, okay was just the uh, having a somebody to help you, could to coach you on. Uh, being able to talk to someone of the opposite sex or the same sex or when you're nervous. That's it. I wasn't actually considering the uh, the taping, the video, or these guys watching it because there were some back and forth about whether or not they should watch it and they all basically said, yes, we're going to watch it. That's That line absolutely is uh, should not be crossed, not without her consent. And the fact, I failed to acknowledge the fact that he had completely misrepresented who he was when he was talking to her. I thought, I was just focusing on a group of people or a person coaching him to talk to someone that he would normally be nervous, too nervous to actually talk to. And I got stuck there. And I absolutely acknowledge that you're totally right, but my brain just kind of got stuck in that uh, he's just being coached and that's okay. And that is okay if nobody's taping it or if he's not misrepresenting who he is. Yeah, if if she, I mean, the whole being coached like live in real time is a little odd, but if she knew that was happening, what you're saying is it, in theory, would be all right. Yeah, and I'm looking at it from a point of view of, let's say we're at a bar, you, me, and six other guys that are all well-versed in, uh, you know, talking to women and are comfortable in that, and I am <laughs> So a complete not, fantasy. <laughs> yeah, complete another fantasy. All right. And then, you know, we were all sitting at a table, and you would give me advice to go talk to this woman over in this other group, say this, do this, tell the story about the blah, 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 it'll be a good story, it'll break the ice, uh, do this and do that, and then I get up from the table and walk over there and do that. That's fine. Well, of course. Because uh, it's just coaching, and I'm not misrepresenting who I who I am. I'm not saying I'm somebody else. I'm not, uh, you know, if I went to a party where I wasn't invited, and I pretended to be somebody who was invited, and I made up a name, that's also wrong. Right. I mean, that's a completely different scenario, right? If we're sitting around, and I give you some advice yeah. on how to talk to a woman, and you take it and go do it, 
that's fine. And there's nothing wrong with that. Obviously, that's a very different scenario. And I think what it comes down to is it sounded like a little bit sounded like we were making light of the what was depicted in this, the first part of Black Mirror White Christmas. And, um, you know, we kind of were in a way, but it was also a bit sort of misconstrued. So uh, what we saw in the episode there was definitely at the very least shady and more likely completely illegal and wrong. So yeah, I agree. All right. So uh, just in case anyone else felt, uh, you know, felt that way when we were talking about it last time, hopefully, hopefully that clears things up a little bit, but thank you, Becca, for writing that in. That is, uh, that's fantastic. All right, let's move on into this, Jason. The Walking Dead News. Time to get caught up on The Walking Dead News. There is a bunch now that we're just less than a week away from the mid-season premiere. And the first item in the news here is that the first three episodes, when we come back, that would be episode 9, 10, and 11, have extended runtimes. Oh, again. Again. So they are really, they are really buying into extended runtimes on The Walking Dead, it seems like lately, because we had a bunch in the first half of the season, and now we have three in a row in the second half of the season. Now, I'm not talking about 90-minute time slots, because none of them are a full 90 minutes long. Um, They are really just a few extra minutes here and there which I must admit I kind of like better than having 90-minute episodes. That feels like too much, or at least it feels like too much all the time. But what we've got is episode 9, directed by Greg Nicotero, and that comes in at 73 minutes. Wow. And not 73 minutes of show, 73-minute time slot. So it runs for like an hour time slot plus 13 more minutes. Oh, good. More commercials. So yeah, extra time for commercials within the main time slot, but it pushes it over time by 13 minutes. So there'll be a little bit of extra, you know, show, but definitely some extra commercial time too. Right. Episode number 10 is airing in a 66 minute time slot. So we only have six extra minutes on that one, Uh, which, you know, may be six extra minutes of commercials. I'll be interested to see what the actual runtime on that episode is. That one's directed by Jeffrey F. January, which is a cool name, I think. Uh, Jeff January, yeah. Jeff F. January. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Number episode 11 is 68 minute time slot. So again, not a whole lot. That one's directed by Carrie Scogland, another director that's been around before. And then episode 12, which uh, as far as we know is a regular hour time slot runtime, is directed by Greg Nicotero again. So he's, he's throwing in the, the, you know, the directing duties all over the place here. Um, I also know the title of season seven, episode nine. Uh, so if you consider that a spoiler, I'm not sure why you would, but if you consider that a spoiler, jump ahead a few seconds, but here it comes. It depends. Is the title uh, Rick Kills Negan? That is not the title. Okay, then we're okay. The title is Rock in the Road. Well, what does that what does that mean? Rocky Road, or does that mean rock and roll with a road, or is it uh, well, like what, what big deal? Rock in the road. Well, like, a, is it a boulder in the road, or is it just like you know a rock on the road? Well, I, I'm just I I don't consider that spoilery, but I think rock in the road refers to a a bump in the road or a uh, problem with the plan, something like that. You know, something that doesn't go smoothly. 
I don't know. Well, that's like Rocky Road, isn't it? Isn't there stuff in Rocky Road that makes it not smooth? I guess. I haven't had Rocky Road. What is that? Ice cream? Rocky Road ice cream in a long time. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've never had it. It is ice cream. All right. I've never had it. Don't know what it looks like, but I assume it's got like chunks of, uh, I'm not even sure what, chocolate, Skittles, something. Probably chocolate. Anyways, what do you think about these like extra long episodes just by a few minutes here and there? I think it's dumb. Yeah. If you, you know, stick to the time slot. If you're not going to stick to the time slot, give us a something significant or not. But, you know, why? I don't know. They're trying to screw with uh, DVRs, I think, when they do stuff like this. It, it is a pain in the ass for people who record the show on a... Uh, on a DVR for sure, because it's not a standard time slot. And, and I don't know, I haven't had a DVR in my house in a long time. Maybe they're smarter these days. Maybe they can record a show that regardless of what the actual time slot is, I don't know, but I would think it becomes annoying because if, if you record from nine to 10, you miss six minutes of episode number 10, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's a pain in the ass. So, so why are they doing that? Is that just is it really because, you know, episode 11 needed to be an extra four minutes plus four minutes of commercials? Like, couldn't they edit edit it down to a standard 60-minute time slot? I would think that they could. I mean, everybody else does it. Why can't you do it at this time? And why, why a string of them in a row where you run over by 13 minutes and then six minutes and then eight minutes and then, I don't know. You know, get your shit together, guys. Yeah. You're saying everyone else can do it is a really good point. It's like, that's, you know, that's the standard for TV time slots. It's a half an hour where the show is 23 minutes or whatever, or a full hour where the show is 43 to 44 minutes. The Walking Dead is like, ah, we're going to make a show 48 minutes instead and then run it extra five. So I don't know. It, it seems, it seems a little crazy. You know what I'd prefer is that they is that they recut all of these episodes and make one of them run in a 90 minute slot and the rest fit into a normal 60. You'd think they could do something like that. It it also might be a, it's our network. It's our show. We can do whatever the hell we want. Like why limit ourselves? You know, usually, you know, a production company will produce a show and it's sold to a network that, you know, buys so many episodes and then they air the episodes and they need to fit them in a time slot because it's, you know, NBC is pretty much a stickler of that kind of thing. But AMC owns both the show and the network. So, you know, maybe they're like, yeah, fuck it. 66 <laughs> minutes, who cares? <laughs> we'll do whatever we want. Be yeah. Damned. I mean, who, who cares? We'll delay the show, you know, the, the Talking Dead. You know, are they going to be extended or are they going to, maybe they want less of Chris Hardwick. Hardwick. It's like maybe by doing this, like we can, uh, we can, uh, you know, cut that show down by eight minutes because nobody likes it anyway. Yeah. That's a really interesting question. I don't know. Maybe they're, I mean, it gets really good ratings too. So I, I, I imagine they're pretty happy with it, but who knows? Yeah. I don't know if it goes over time or not. Maybe, maybe not. Um, here's another, here's a little more on the mid season premiere. This comes from entertainmentweekly.com. Uh, and it's one of those quotes that you love. Scott Gimple said, talking about the mid-season premiere, he said, it propels us into a very different half season from the one before it. Before the end of that very first episode back, you will see Rick Grimes smile. The mid-season premiere is a movie unto itself. Angela Kang wrote it, Greg Nicotero directed it, and the cast knocked it out of the park. So he's saying- I do like quotes like that. He's saying how good it's going to be. It is going to, it's going to be awesome. If he's saying it's good, uh, I think it's going to be the best thing that uh, television has ever displayed on the airwaves. Well, let's hope so. Um, seeing Rick Grimes, Rick Grimes smile will be nice. We haven't seen him be happy in a long time. Uh, no, we haven't. 
And, uh, you know, you never know. We will see. All right. Um, now, the next item here is something we need to talk about regarding the violence on the show. A couple of weeks ago, at, um, at a television executive's event, uh, Gail Ann Hurd made some comments about toning down the violence in the show after the backlash that was experienced from the uh, season seven premiere. Yeah. This comes from io9. They say at the National Association of Television Program Executives Conference on January 18th, Hurd said, we were able to look at the feedback on the level of violence and we did tone it down for episodes we were still filming for later in the season. She added that The Walking Dead isn't torture porn and that they had to make sure that we don't cross that line. Again. Again, I guess. So um, that's, you know, concerning to me in a way because I'm not really happy with the idea that the people making this show are adjusting their storytelling methods based on fan reaction. And I, and I know they're always going to listen to the fans and stuff like that, but generally, you know, they sort of look at the fan base and be like, our ratings going up or going down. And if they're going up, let's keep doing the same things we're doing. If they're going down, well, maybe we can change something up to try and bring this show back, you know, to where it was not looking at people saying, oh my God, I hated that episode. It was so violent. I'm going to stop watching. And then, you know, toning down the violence. That seems like um, too much of a reaction, in my opinion. It depends on, I guess it all depends on whether or not they're going to overcorrect or not. You know, if they overcorrect, yes, it'll be an issue. But if they tweak it just a little bit, I think I'm okay with that. Uh, you know, there's a lot of jobs on the line. So by uh, not, I wouldn't say pandering, I wouldn't go that far, but by listening to that audience and uh, hearing what they want and tweaking what you do to give them what they want, you're kind of ensuring that you, your job continues, right? Well, that's a fair point. I mean, they want to, I mean, I guess they want to keep the show going, not only because it's wildly successful and makes a lot of money, but it does employ a lot of people. But don't you think that at a fundamental level, if they are, if they're doing something like this, they're imposing rules on the writers or the creators of this show to tell the story in a certain way that might be at conflict with the way that these writers and show runners want to tell their story. And that's... Well, is, there could not be, a, there doesn't necessarily mean that there's a conflict there though. It's just, you know, can you tell that story of the season premiere without that level of violence? The answer is probably. Like, that was pretty heavy. Yeah. Right? The And the amount of times that he bashed Glenn in the head, beating his skull into the dirt and the blood flying around was pretty severe. You could probably tell that story without that kind of impact, pardon the pun. Uh, <laughs> you know, just ease off just a little bit and still be able to tell the same story. Uh, Negan's a, a sadistic bastard that likes to beat people's skulls in, you can get that point across without the level of violence that we saw. I totally agree with you on that point, but they chose to do it one way. And they, I mean, you got to think they chose that for a reason. I mean, that's, I guess, what, that's the way they wanted to do it. That's the what they wanted to present on screen and, and portray that portion of the story. I just feel like saying, 
you know, okay, we heard you, you didn't like that. We're going to, we're going to avoid that next time. It, it feels like interfering with the art a little bit. You got to remember that it's the, it's the audience that they're getting feedback from. It's not Tipper Gore that's saying, no, we need to uh, censor these explicit lyrics uh, because the audience doesn't want this. It's not somebody deciding for the audience. It's the audience themselves giving feedback. So there's a big difference there as well. Okay. Well, a week later or so after those comments were made by Gail Ann Hurd, Scott Gimple came along and said this, the violence in the premiere was pronounced for a reason. The awfulness of what happened to those characters was very specific to that episode and the beginning of this whole new story. I don't think that I don't think like that's the base level of violence that necessarily should be on the show. It should be specific to a story and a purpose. And there was a purpose of traumatizing these characters to a point where maybe they would have been docile for the rest of their lives, which was Negan's point. But I will say again, the violence in the premiere was for a specific narrative purpose. And I would never say that that's the baseline amount of violence that we would show on the show. If we're ever going to see something that pronounced, there needs to be a specific narrative purpose for it. So we did it. We're proud of it. We did it on purpose. We did it for a reason. But don't worry, we're not going to do it again. Well, Greg Nicotero, when asked if the violence was toned down, said no. As brutal as that episode was, and I consider just stopping the quote after no, (laughs) no, (laughs) but he goes on. As brutal as that episode one was, it's still part of our storytelling Bible, which is what the world is about. I don't think we would ever edit ourselves. And I think even after looking at that episode one again, as tough as it was for people to watch, I don't think we would have done it any differently. I don't think we'll ever pull ourselves back. There is definitely a difference between violence against walkers and human on human violence, but truthfully, we are serving our story. Oh my God. There's it just all these quotes. It sounds to me like there is a spin doctor in the background pulling strings and writing these quotes to just get the, you know, just this very specific, perfect message across by giving all these people the different quotes so that uh, we don't get pissed off at them for what they did. Well, I'm sure they're doing. I'm sure there is. There's a publicity department involved in this somewhere. And that's these people's jobs is to communicate to the public, right? And I, I just feel like there, there was a breakdown in, you know, consensus on how to answer these questions at one point. Gail Ann Hurd didn't get the memo that, you know, okay, internally, maybe we're going to tone this down a little bit because there was a big backlash and she came out and said it. And then they had to go into damage control mode and you have Greg Nicotero saying, no, we would never do that. It serves the story, yada, yada, yada. So I, I, I'm pretty sure that's how it went down. Um, I have no idea really though, but that's what it feels like to me. And at the end of the day, we're only going to know what's on screen and we got to make our judgment from there. So, you know, I have a feeling we're not going to get anything quite as brutally violent as what we saw in the season seven premiere. That being said, we might not we might not have anyways, you know, it was pretty extreme. And until they kill Judith on screen, there's going to be nothing as bad. All these people just need to shut up. And I think, (laughs) I think you're right that if Gail and her didn't open her mouth, we wouldn't have had all these other quotes to try and fix it uh, because there was a backlash to the backlash 
And she mentioned the backlash and acknowledged the backlash. Like, no, don't do that. Don't engage your audience directly. Just tell them, you know, this episode is going to be a departure from what we saw in the last half of the season. We're going to see, we're going to see Rick smile. Everything's going to be happy, and it's going to be awesome. Everybody just knocked it out of the park. It's going to be great. It's going to be the best thing you ever saw on your television. That's the only message that they probably should be allowed to say. Right. And up until now, that's the kind of things we've, that, that's all the uh, kind of stuff we've ever gotten from them. So yeah. Unless Robert Kirkman's lying to us. You know, <laughs> that's the other, that's the other end of the spectrum. Uh, he's, he, you know, he opens his mouth and he lies. He does. Well, let's move on to the next item here. So this is a Robert Kirkman quote for you. I have now, Jason. Sweet. <laughs> now, <laughs> it's a lie. <laughs> yeah. You don't even need to hear it. Eh? Well, <laughs> this is an interesting quote, I thought, because it comes from the uh, letter hacks section of issue number 163 of the comic, which was out recently. What's a written lie? Oh yeah, it's written down. So it (laughs) must be true. I don't know. Uh, Asked about why there is less death on the walking dead now than there used to be. And you know, I I believe the question was specifically about the comics, but this applies to the TV show as well. Here's his answer. And now I edited this a little bit to remove some comic spoilers because I didn't want to spoil the comic for anybody. Um, but he said, in my opinion, there should be less death in the book now, much less because the careless people, the scared people, the people learning how to live in this world are already dead. This is the cream of the crop, so to speak. So yes, there can be a conflict and there can be very little death. You think Michonne is going to just let herself get bitten by a zombie or stabbed by an enemy at this point? It wouldn't be believable. These people are tempered steel. That's not to say they're invulnerable or safe. Uh, now, but it would take a lot to kill them. And the reason I wanted to bring this up is because I feel like there has been a reduction in the amount of main character death on the TV show in the last little while, mm-hmm. you know, season seven premiere, notwithstanding, but we haven't had a real main character die in a while. And for a while there, we had main characters dropping off all the time. So, um, and I, and I thought this was a reasonably good explanation that the people that are left are the ones that really are careful and know how to survive. So they're not going to be as easily killed. Well, yeah, survival of the fittest, right? And it's, uh, these are the fittest. These are the fittest. These are the people that survived and because they survived, they're, uh, they're like super bugs. They're the, uh, they're the, the bacteria that survive the, uh, the antibiotics. If you mm-hmm. use antibiotics too much, you give, uh, you only, you weed out the ones that get killed by antibiotics, but leave the rest to breed. There so that's what, uh, that's what these people are doing. They're uh, super zombie bugs. They're the super bugs. They're the breeders. <laughs> it's either way, they're, they're surviving for a while. Yeah, they're surviving for a while, and now they can breed and then, uh, you know, wipe out, the, uh, wipe out the zombies. I seem to have reversed my, uh, my metaphor there. It's the, uh, the survivors are the ones that are the super bugs that are killing the host zombie apocalypse (laughs) i lost i can't follow anymore (laughs) (laughs) i'm not even following it anymore yeah well anyways it comes down to we might be seeing you know less sort of death in general on the show the the problem with the tv show is though this kind of applies to the main characters you're you're still going to have all these secondary and background characters that are getting killed off left and right because, well, you need characters to die They're, You know, it's a TV show and so on. Um, which means that it's only the secondary characters that are not survivors now. Who knows how they survived this long, but. I think there. you should kill off main characters because uh, they make more money. 
and you save some money by killing off main characters. You know, keep hiring, uh, keep hiring people, new people to replace them, and you can pay them less. <laughs> I mean, sure, they only have a you know a fourteen episode story arc. That's what you sell them on their contract, and then uh, once that's over, they're done, and you hire somebody else for dirt cheap to take on another fourteen episode story arc. Yeah, hell, why not just recast characters that don't even get killed off? Oh, you should do that too. Oh no, that'd be terrible. <laughs> All right. That'd be uh, disjointed and confusing for everybody. It's like, oh, is this the same show? All the characters are different, but they're the same. Yeah. They look different, but they have the same names. What's going on? I wonder if you could do that. You could have a a TV show that every season has the same characters, but different actors. So every every season you'd get uh, a new cast of actors to play the same characters in an ongoing series. I mean, Game of Thrones has recast a few characters, actually, with new actors. Well, the mountain, yeah. yeah but also, oh, I'm never going to remember his name now, but he was uh, hanging out with Daenerys. What's his name? He got recast. Well, yeah, it's only, uh, he was only like in an episode or two, and then they recast him in the next season. Well, yeah, that's what I mean, recast in the season, but it, it happens. I, but that's an interesting idea, like tell different stories with a whole new cast, but it's the same characters. That's right. I think it'd be weird <laughs> now that I say or it Or just loud. shake it up, you know? I, I mean, uh, <laughs> the same actors play different characters each season. Well, like that's Now, you know, happened. John, uh, you know, played by uh, Bill Pullman. Next, uh, the next season, uh, John is played by Bill Paxton, and Bill Pullman plays Sam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. Confusing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a mess today. I'm sorry. That's all right. Um, Next item in the news, if you are into Walking Dead toys, there are a couple of new McFarlane figures coming out. And one of them is a seven inch Negan, which is uh, pretty good looking, I thought. The figure comes with a scaled Lucille barbed wire baseball bat, a spectacular likeness of Negan sculpted from images of actor Jeffrey Dean Morgan. It is sculpted in his iconic outfit from season seven. And the figure is complete with stylized brand-specific display base and 14-plus points of articulation for dynamic posing. (laughs) Holy crap, that is some marketing speak there. It is, isn't it? But I looked (laughs) at some pictures, some some high-quality pictures online of this character, and I gotta say, this is one of the best character likenesses I've ever seen McFarlane do. It looks just like Negan, just like Jeffrey Dean Morgan. I'm surprised it didn't have the word laser in there anywhere. Like laser cut for... Are you laser cut or, uh, you know, we use lasers to get just the perfect likeness, uh, you know, laser engraved or something. They, they should have put the word laser in there and then some kind of motion capture uh, technology speak. I don't, think you need, I don't think you need motion capture to make an action <laughs> figure. You need a good camera. And, well, how uh, do you know how you, you know, those 14 points of articulation? I'm sure Jeffrey Dean Morgan has uh, at least 14 points of articulation. They should have captured those 14 points to make sure the model articulates correctly. Right. His elbows bend, his knees bend, his head turns, his waist bends. Okay. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, it looks like a good figure, if you ask me. And I haven't bought any Walking Dead figures in a long time, but this one looks so much like Negan. I might pick one up. It looks pretty cool. Yeah. And when you said uh, a seven inch Negan, to me, that sounded painful. Like I got like, you know, I, I fell off my bike while riding at 60 kilometers an hour and I got like a seven inch Negan all the way up my leg. <laughs> <laughs> 
Jeez, that that sounds like it hurts. I hear you can get that treated, man. Yeah. <laughs> Your seven inch Negan. You don't want the ten inch Negan. That's that's, no, that's really bad. Too too much. Really, really bad. Uh, also coming out is a Daryl Dixon collectible statue. So this isn't an action figure. This is a statue. Zero points of articulation. It's a 10 inch tall resin statue. Now, there isn't as much marketing speak around this one, but my description of it is Daryl on his motorcycle driving over a bunch of mangled zombies while shooting one with his crossbow. So it's one of those like stylized ones that you see. There's a big pile of zombies. He's on a motorcycle. It's, you know, one wheel up in the air and the back wheel is grinding through a zombie's face. And he's got one hand on the handlebars and the other one is holding the, the crossbow shooting down. And it's a it's not a toy. It's more of a display piece. Right. It's a statue. Exactly. Cast in bronze? Uh, resin. Resin. <laughs> yeah. Close enough. Yeah. Uh, this is not priced like a toy either. It comes out on February the 8th, which is two days from now as we speak, and it's going to run you 329 bucks. A steal. If it's you, a bargain at twice the price. If you want a 10-inch tall resin statue of Daryl Dixon doing all that stuff, I said. And why wouldn't you? Well, I don't know, man. I it's I feel like 329 bucks is, is a great price if you're really in the market for one of these, but... You know, it could be a big decision for someone who who might not be. Anyways, it's going to come out. Uh, it looks pretty cool. Check it out. And it uh, could be yours for a cool 329 Yeah. You can always carve your own out of butter Ooh. if you really wanted. Hey, if there is nobody out there doing Walking Dead butter sculptures right now, somebody <laughs> please get on that because I want to see it. <laughs> yeah. There's a dude who does Walking Dead uh, pancakes. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, he he squirts pancake batter into the pan and then fries it up and it looks, he does characters and stuff. It's great. It's really, really fascinating art. You can buy pancake printers now, eh? What? Or you, it, your pancake printer, it it has the, uh, the, the pancake batter inside uh, a container and that container is on uh, an X-axis and like an Etch-a-Sketch and it goes around and it drops it and uh, drops the pancakes and as it cooks, the colors are different and uh, you can, it prints oh, yeah. whatever you want. Yeah, you know what? I know exactly what you're talking about now. We have a 3D, a small 3D printer at work, and we've printed edible stuff before. We've printed like cookies in shapes and things like that. Cool. So same idea. It's just, I guess if the printing surface is heated, then it cooks on there and you can use pancake batter. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure it's an art to do that kind of stuff and that's fascinating, but I lack the skill. So if I wanted to do something like that, I'd have to buy a pancake printer. (laughs) <laughs> yes, you would. And I don't know how, I don't know why you're not buying one online right now, Jason. You can make yeah. Daryl Dixon pancakes for everybody. Uh, anyway, so that's a couple of new figures coming from McFarland Toys. I don't have any details on when the seven inch Negan comes out, but uh, keep your eyes open for that probably sometime Ouch. in 2017. <laughs> Um, speaking of Negan, Jeffrey Dean Morgan and Norman Reedus are coming to Megacon. And I just wanted to mention that in case anybody missed that news. Megacon is a big conference in Orange County, uh, at the Orange County Convention Center in Orlando, Florida from May 25th to 28th, 2017. And if you want, you can, uh, go visit JDM and Norman Reedus, two very popular guys. Yeah. So, uh, that might be fun. And then finally in the news, uh, a little bit of uh, Fear the Walking Dead news, just for fun. Uh, And that is that actress Emma Caulfield has been uh, been cast in season three of the show. 
And I was not familiar with her work, but she has been around for a while. She's done a lot of acting. I think a lot of people will know her from Buffy, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. He spelled cough. There it is. Emma Caulfield. Emma Caulfield. Um, the AMC has confirmed that she's being cast on the show, but they have not revealed the length of her, you know, episodes. I mean, the length of her stint on the show or the identity of her character or, you know, anything like that. So all we know is that she's a semi big name TV actress and uh, she's going to be on the show for season three. Yeah, I got nothing. I'm looking at pictures of her. I don't know who she is. All right. Well, I'm sure there's some fans out there, especially Buffy fans. Uh, Buffy is not a show I ever watched, so I don't know her from that. But uh, all the news outlets seem to focus in on that as something that uh, you might remember her from. Yeah. Friend of the show, Dave, was a huge Buffy and Angel fan. He was. Absolutely massive. He just, he watched every episode. Man, those were some good times. 40 times, I think. Oh yeah. He watched, he, he probably knows everything about Buffy. When you were living with him, was that, were you guys, was he into that? Was he, would he like sit yeah. you down and say, here, watch this show. It's amazing. Well, he touted the benefits of Buffy and I did end up watching the last season uh, because of his, uh, his enthusiasm was infectious. Uh, but I just remember <laughs> these were, and I'm going to paint this picture as if it uh, was kind of sad, but I remember it being the, uh, the best thing ever. Just, you know, summer days, uh, summer weekends, Dave sitting in his room playing World of Warcraft while watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer on his little tiny TV, uh, smoking cigarettes and drinking coffee and just, man, those were good times. Well, that's, we used to smoke all the time. It was awesome. I know. That's, that, that's why, uh, that's the image I have of you two guys living together, just sitting there smoking, watching TV. I mean, you guys smoked a yeah. lot back then. We sure did. It was fucking awesome. I love smoking. I miss it every day. Yeah, I know, but you're better off without it. Oh yeah, absolutely. And uh, the Talking Dead podcast does not condone smoking in any way. No, it's a horrible habit and you should uh, <laughs> do what I did and quit, which will be 10 years on my birthday on the 26th this year. This that's month. that's amazing. Congratulations. Not yet. I mean, I still got a few weeks. You know, if I can get through these next few weeks without smoking, then uh, I'm golden. You are golden. Don't get through the few weeks and then start smoking again on your, your birthday. I can't. I can't do it. The next cigarette I smoke, the next drag of a cigarette I ever have will cost me $40,000 and take 10 years off my life. Well- Because I just, because that one drag of a cigarette I know will lead to, ah, I had a drag two weeks ago. What's the big deal? I could have another drag and then I'll have a whole cigarette and then I'll, next thing I know I'll be half a pack a day. Forever. And, and, and you don't want that. So don't, don't take that smoke, man. Don't have it. Never, ever, ever will I have a drag of a cigarette. All right. Well, I'm proud of you, man. I miss it. <laughs> <laughs> you can miss it. That's fine. Just don't do it. Yeah. All right. That is going to wrap up the Walking Dead news. Now, we've got a couple of things we're going to do here uh, for the rest of the podcast. And I'm going to talk about something and you're going to talk about something. But neither of us had, knows... Well, we know what the other person is talking about, but we haven't experienced it. You're going to talk about a movie and I'm going to talk about a video game. Yep. Um, so why don't you go first and uh, talk about a movie that listeners have been asking us about a whole bunch lately. And uh, that is Train to Busan. Train to Busan. Which is a Korean zombie movie. But since I haven't seen it, I'll let you take over and convince me to watch it. 
is this going to be a spoiler-free discussion or a spoiler-filled well, discussion? Well, I haven't seen it. So can you do this without spoiling it too much? Because what I'm All going right. to talk about, I'm not going to spoil. Okay, so imagine... Okay, I'm going to try not to spoil it. It uh, takes place on a train. It's right there in the title, so I think that's okay to say. Yeah. Uh, imagine, if you will, that you're on a train going someplace... And uh, after you get on that train, essentially the zombie outbreak occurs. The zombie apocalypse occurs while you're on that train. And yes, uh, the infected, and they are infected, uh, get on the train and uh, chaos ensues and you have to survive. Zombies on a train. Uh, Zombies on a train is essentially uh, what's going on. This movie was excellent. It was, uh, I was surprised at how much I liked this. Uh, and I watched, what was that movie? The Snow Train, Snow Snow something? Snowpiercer. Another movie Snowpiercer. I haven't seen. Yeah. I watched that. I didn't like it very much. I know it's an unpopular p- opinion, but, uh, you know, it, it struck me as dumb that all this occurred on a train that, you know, was driving down the track seemingly forever. But this movie, uh, Zombies on a Train, uh, it was, it was awesome. Like it, there was, uh, and it wasn't just a story about, uh, a zombie apocalypse. It actually had a moral theme to it as well that didn't have anything to do with the zombie apocalypse. It was stand up and be a man and take care of your family. Mm. Like, and that just, that, that theme came up, uh, throughout the, uh, throughout the whole story. Uh, and it intertwined with the zombies that were, ha- uh, was, they're infected. They were fast zombies. I'm, so, I'm sorry if that's a spoiler, uh, but they were very fast and very scary, kind of like 28 days later kind of thing. Okay. Uh, but I, yeah, it was, uh, it was really well done. Like every, when they were on the train, when they got off the train, uh, interacting with other people on the train, uh, trying to survive on this train and get back to your family when you got separated from them, uh, the characters were good. The dialogue was good. I just, I, I flat out love this movie. I thought it was fantastic. I highly recommend it. Well, you know, that's the the feeling I've been getting from people who have seen it. Uh, most people I've heard from have really enjoyed it. A lot of our listeners wrote in to wonder if we were going to, or to ask if we were going to talk about it. And I always sort of intended to do so, but when we were looking at, you know, things to talk about on this last podcast before season seven starts up again, we kind of talked about, should we play the telltale game? Should we play something else? Should we read a book? Should we watch Train to Busan? And it turned out that, you know, I played a game, which I'll get into in a minute. And uh, you were able to watch Train to Busan. So, you know, I'm I'm excited to hear that that you really liked it. And I'm looking forward to seeing it a lot, too. I, I know you said the um, Snowpiercer, you didn't like Snowpiercer that much. And that's another movie I haven't seen. But my perception of these two movies is that they, while both involving a train, are very different. Uh, Snowpiercer, I don't oh, yeah. believe, involves zombies either. But Snowpiercer no. is a more dystopian future type movie where Train to Busan, Busan feels like a present day, you know, disaster film that involves Yeah, surviving zombies. the initial zombie outbreak is basically what this, this movie is. Snowpiercer absolutely is not that. Uh, it is an entirely different movie. I mean, it's as different from, uh, Snowpiercer is as different from Train to Busan as Train to uh, Busan is as to uh, Murder on the Orient Express. Right. That They are related in that they take place on a train, but that's it. Right. 
And I liked one and didn't like the other. There's trains and stuff happens. (laughs) And I like trains. Oh, yeah, for sure. So I have two model trains and two Lego trains. I like trains. Cool. Well, that's exciting. I want to see Train to Busan uh, quite a bit. I'll probably get around to watching it soon if I can fit it into the schedule. Um, but that's that's fun. I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it. There's actually actors in this movie that I kind of want to see their other movies. Uh, you know, hopefully they're subtitled like this one was because it was in Korean. Uh, so yeah, there was one actor. Let's see here. Uh, Dong Sok Ma. I want to see him. I liked him. I liked his character. I liked the actor. I'm going to, I'm going to try and pick up other movies that he's in. That's good. It's it's going to be fun. That is very cool. All right. So check out Train to Busan. Uh, So says Jason anyways, and I believe him. I support his message. All right. What I want to talk about is maybe not what you think, everyone. Uh, As I mentioned a second ago, we thought about maybe playing Telltale's The Walking Dead Season 3. But we hit a roadblock when we were, uh, when we were, you know, about to sit down and play that. And that is that it is only available on Xbox One, at least when it comes to Xboxes. And Not available on Xbox 360 specifically. And you and I are old fogies and have, you know, ancient consoles that are not up to snuff. That's right. You and I are both still Xbox 360 guys. And honestly, it never occurred to me that that game wasn't released on the 360. So I, I, I go to Jason and I'm like, dude, why don't you grab the Telltale game, play a couple hours of it on your 360, and then you can talk about it on the podcast. And then, you know, a few days ago, he messages me and says, game's not available on 360. I'm like, what? You're wrong. You just, you're just, you just can't find it or something. But then turns out not available, only Xbox One. There's no reason why this game shouldn't be available on the 360. Uh, I mean, it's it's not I'll, pushing the graphics envelope. Well, maybe it is. We haven't seen the game now because we can't play it. But I'll tell you what the reason is, Jason. Well, it's because they didn't have, they didn't want to spend the money to port it over. No, the reason is it's a very popular game series uh, uh, that's part of a very popular franchise. And Microsoft wants to push Xbox One sales. So people who are big fans of this series of games um, and who will definitely want to play this and need to play it now have to buy an Xbox One. Like you. Like me. I'm going to have to go buy one now. Uh, To be fair, it's available for PC and other platforms, but frankly, I don't have a PC in my life right now that's good enough to play it either. So um, yeah, I'm going to go buy an Xbox One at some point probably. (sighs) Well, I have a PC that's capable of playing this this game and a lot of other games, minus the video card. Card. I've been building my own PC, and I haven't yet purchased a video card capable of playing anything other than Minecraft. So, like, I, it's just the onboard video that came with the motherboard. I plan on buying a, uh, a decent video card that will allow me to play games such as Fallout 4, which I really want to play, and various other titles, including this Telltale game. But it's a little while in the future before I'll be able to pick up that video card. All right. Well, at least you'll be able to experience it somehow. Yeah. So anyways, all that being said, I'm not going to talk about Telltale's season three of The Walking Dead. Too late. Yeah. We already talked about it. Well, I guess so. We talked about why I can't talk about it. (laughs) Right. Uh, What I am going to talk about is a game that listeners have been asking me to try for a long ass time. A few listeners specifically, but I get emails every once in a while from people just saying, hey, you should check this out because it's amazing. 
And that is a game for the PlayStation called The Last of Us. The Last of Us. I've wanted to play this, but I am not a PlayStation guy. No, as we just finished saying, you and I are Xbox 360 guys. This was originally released on the PS3, and um, I never had a PlayStation, never really had access to one, and I didn't want to buy a PlayStation just to play this one game. But it turns out uh, somebody I know pretty well had a PlayStation 3 kicking around that I was able to borrow from him, and when I was down in Detroit last week, I picked up the uh, game for PlayStation 3 for eight bucks used. Nice. So pretty solid deal. Now, I'm only about two hours in, maybe two and a half hours into the game, but I thought it would be worth sitting here and talking about it just briefly to, uh, you know, let everyone know that I've finally gotten around to trying it. And here's what I think. Set the stage for me, Chris. What's this game about? So this game is a post-apocalyptic game. That involves zombies. That is really why, or the infected, that is why people have been asking, you know, us or me to play it because it's sort of the same universe as The Walking Dead. Um, and it's it's a really good game. Like, it's a good game. Now, I don't want to go too crazy here. A lot of people think that this is like the greatest game ever. It's, you know the people who write in and have sort of asked us to play it are like, you've got to do this. It's fantastic. It's better than anything you'll experience video game wise. And I think it is an amazing game. I'm not sure it's, you know, the greatest thing ever. And I get it. That may be a little, a uh, bit exaggeration on people's part, but it to me feels like an amazing game that is five years old. And I'm not just saying that because I'm playing the PS3 version because there was an updated version for the PlayStation 4, uh, which I don't have access to and haven't played. But to me, the style and the gameplay mechanic are um, nothing special. They're good, but they feel like games I've been playing for years. It's That's not what stands out about this game. Um, what stands out about it, I think, is the storytelling and some of the environments that you are moving through as you're playing this game. Now, I don't, I'm not going to talk about, uh, I'm not going to spoil the story of this game, um, but, you know, there are th some things that happen in the first, say, 15 or 20 minutes of the game that are extremely unexpected, and I... I wonder to myself as I was playing it, you know, I wondered if people were so blown away by the opening sequence of this game, first 15 minutes, that they sort of gave the rest of the game a pass. And again, I'm not trying to say the rest of the game is not good because it is really good, but I can see people sitting down to play this being so sort of mind blown by the first 15 minutes that everything that followed it could have been a giant pile of donkey shit and they wouldn't have realized it um and again i'm not trying to say that's the case it's just i wonder if if that's people were sort of conditioned right off the bat from this from this opening sequence so you're saying that the opening sequence was just uh it was a peak that the rest of the game couldn't maintain I'm I'm only two hours in, so I don't know yet. I have to play more. I'm gonna I'm gonna play all the way through this thing and then make a final decision. But I'm wondering if yeah, the opening sequence peaked that, and 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 you're right. The rest of the game maybe didn't maintain it. So far, 
my experience is that, yeah, that was a peak. And so far from then, now that I'm kind of into the game a little bit, it's, it's a little bit, I'm trying not to say it's bad because it's not bad. It's, it's, it's a little bit more mundane than what happens at the beginning, but still enjoyable, still a great story and still fun to play. All right. So you need to shun your kids, kick your wife out of the room and concentrate on playing this game to the detriment of all else. <laughs> until you're done until i'm done that's pretty much what i have to do you call I, in sick yeah that's right <laughs> quit my job sorry guys I'm no, gonna... <laughs> no, don't quit just call in sick for a few days uh bribe a doctor to get a doctor's note after a couple of days yeah uh kick your kids out you know don't shower don't wear a shirt well i wouldn't do that anyway <laughs> but anyways no i'm you know what it's it's been an enormous amount of fun so far uh, i kind of had to get used to the playstation style of controller and things like that but that's just my own thing um but i'm i'm worried is all that the rest of this game isn't going to live up to the first 15 minutes um but we'll see we'll see how it goes um but what i said off the top like i do hope that the the story in this game is it's real sort of high point and uh you know so far there isn't really anything to indicate that it won't be but i understand that after that opening sequence you kind of got to ease into the rest of it a little bit so we'll see how it goes um one thing i noticed that felt a little bit dated and again this could just be me you know being what this game came out in 2013 i think so a while ago at this point but they make a real big deal about of either using stealth or force to get through certain situations which right. i feel like has been a thing in video games for a while now and uh, maybe more modern games have moved away from that a little bit but it's it's a big deal in this game it's you know can you sneak through and kill guys silently or are you just going to run in shooting and uh you know i try to do it stealthily usually but often fail <laughs> Right. <laughs> so I don't know. Um, but that kind of thing was maybe a bigger deal in 2013 than it is with games these days. Um, and then I will say, though, that the uh, the environments you're in, I think I said before, and just the, the graphics I thought looked actually really good for four or five year old old graphics and the environments are interesting and detailed and um, they don't feel repetitive, really, even though you're sort of in a. Uh, at least the part of the game I'm in now, you're in sort of a broken down, abandoned city, sort of. All everything is really fallen apart and stuff like that. But I, I was really amazed by how good all that looked. And um, end of the day, so far, I'm having a lot of fun with it. So I'm just trying to keep my expectations in check a little bit. And and I hope that when it's all said and done, that I do come away thinking, man, that was amazing. That was totally worth it. And I'm glad everybody. Uh, recommended it to me. Is that game on the PC or is it? Uh... The Last of Us. It's PlayStation yeah. exclusive. That's it, eh? Yeah. Crazy so bastards. it's yeah, it's made. It's one of those games. You know, it's the PlayStation Sony. This is produced by Sony, um, and yeah, it's PlayStation Three, and then there's the updated version for the PS4. So, um, yes, I hope that didn't sound too down on it because i'm really not no, down no, on it, it sounded good it's just uh you know you have you know worried if they can uh, keep this this level of uh, uh excitement up yeah and and i and i understand i mean i should have tried to 
get my hands on this years ago when it was new and fresh. And, you know, I now we're four years away from its original release, which is, isn't always the best way to experience something. But I, I have a feeling this is going to end up being a really, uh, a really good experience in the end. I'm having fun with it so far. Um, so there you go. But to everyone who's been wanting me to play the last of us for all this time, I can happily say that I've finally gotten around to it. Good. All right, we have one more quick thing to do before we wrap this up, and it's going to be this. Listener feedback. Just one email, Jason, and uh, here it comes from Irwin in Manila, Philippines. Irwin writes, hi, guys. I'm thinking of getting the graphic novel. Do you think it would be it would lessen my enjoyment of the TV show if I read the comic, especially now that Negan's comeuppance is near? What is Jason's experience? Does he enjoy the show more now that he stopped reading the comic? So that is the question. Do you enjoy it more now than you did when you read the comic? I don't, you know, honestly, I don't think it makes a difference on my enjoyment. I enjoyed the show as well as the comic, and I like to compare and contrast. And now without being able to compare and contrast, I still like the show. Uh, so... I'm I'm afraid that's not a very good answer. I don't know is what it boils down to, but I don't think so. I don't think that I enjoy the show more. I but I also don't think I sh- enjoy the show would enjoy the show less if I read the comic cuz I I really liked up to issue 100. I enjoyed the comic and uh I've enjoyed the show up to that point as well. Is it a noticeable different ex- noticeably different experience for you though having having comic knowledge versus not having it when you, when you sort of think about the show, because you really have no way to predict what's coming now. Whereas a guy like me, I feel like I know exactly what's coming for the second half of season seven. Yeah. But I, I, I agree that I'd have no way to predict, but I don't think that it lessens my enjoyment and I don't think it enhances my enjoyment. I think I enjoy the show. I enjoy the comic. I don't think uh, one way or the other would change things. See, I worry that it lessens my enjoyment of the show. Uh, knowing what's coming based on the comic book. And that's something I've been thinking about a little bit lately, like maybe I should stop reading the comic. The problem is the comic is still so, in in a lot of ways, pretty far ahead of the show, but I can feel the show catching up to it. But I feel like if I stop now, there's still probably a couple of seasons at least until we get to a point where, you know, we surpass my comic reading. So... Part of me is sort of like, you know, why bother? I'll just keep reading it. I'll be the guy that knows what's coming. I can handle that. But I also feel like I might enjoy it a little bit more if I'm not, if I wasn't able to predict what's happening so, uh, so easily. So my answer, Erwin, to your question is I do think reading the comic is worth it, but maybe stay behind the TV show, you know, read it. Yeah, you can do that. There's a lot of issues yeah. Up until this point. There is, you know, read it and sort of see how you, you can read it and then think about how what you're reading impacted the show, um, you know, that that's already been produced and that you've already watched. Um, I wonder if knowing having show details would sort of affect his reading of the comic. That it, might be a concern. Could be. I mean, that's the other side of this coin, but, um, you know... If I were you, I'd probably pick it up and start reading, but not read past the point in the comic where the show is right now. So that's what I would do. And 
I'll be honest, I sort of wish that I could go into the show, show a little bit more clean and not have the comic in the back of my mind all the time. So that's just me. There you go. All right. Thanks for that email, Erwin. And uh, thanks to everyone who, who writes in. So Jason, we're back in six days. Well, seven days from now, we'll be recording our season seven, episode nine podcast, which will be awesome. Super awesome. Back to the regular schedule of things then. In the meantime, if you want to get in touch with us, you can visit TalkingDeadPodcast.com where you can find all of our past episodes, everything back to number one. If you wanted to spend the next six days listening to all 303 of them and getting caught up, you could do that. Nice. You can also send us voicemail by clicking on the send voicemail button on the side of the page and recording a message for us. You can send emails to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at Talking Dead or on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Talking Dead. Um, and that is going to do it. So I'm looking forward to next week, getting back into the swing of things. And, uh, you know, I hope when the show comes back, it is, like you said earlier, the greatest thing your TV has ever showed you. I just assume it will be. <laughs> Funny, you always say that. You always assume that every time it comes back from a break, it's going to be the greatest thing ever. And then uh, usually it is. I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah. I just assume it is and, uh, you know, let the chips fall where they may. All right. Well, we'll see you in a week, everyone. Until then, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye.